You want to ask, so ask. Are you real? Well, if you can't tell, does it matter? Welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm David. And we're your hosts. Woo. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> this is Westworld Cast episode one. Welcome. So I thought we'd start off real quick before we get into uh, talking about the first and second episode of Westworld, which is what this is going to be, is just to mention real quick who we are and why we're doing this. So who are we? Well, um, I think that you're very well known as a podcast host on this network and i'm really just best known as the personal sidekick of a well-known <laughs> podcast host on this network right so if you i'm sure most people listening already know us from podcastica but if you're new uh we we have a podcast network called podcastica where we started out with the walking dead cast and we've been doing that for years ever since the beginning of that series and we also do a game of thrones one and we have a stranger things podcast on there now so we've we've kind of just been podcasting about tv shows for a long time david is uh, the husband of karen who's my partner on walking dead cast and you have come in and done some guest hosting now and then and every time you've come on, I'm just like, man, that was so awesome. You're great. So I, I was super stoked that you had agreed to do this podcast with me as my co-host. Yeah, well, I have the greatest podcasting job in the world, which is uh, to come in once in a while for like something I really like Yeah, and talk about it. It's easy to sound good. It's like being the backup quarterback on a football team. I know. As long as you don't play too much. Yeah, you can't really say that about Walking Dead yeah. necessarily anymore. But I digress. True. <laughs> so um, at some point in the future of this podcast, we'll, we'll reveal which one of us is an android and then <laughs> that person will kill the other one. But we, but right now we're not really right now, sure. Yeah, we're not. Neither one of us. I mean, sure. if you can't tell, does it matter? Right. It doesn't really matter. So uh, a couple other things. So we're starting this season, this podcast after the first season of Westworld has aired. And we were trying to decide, should we do it with spoilers or not? And I went and polled the listeners about whether we should talk about it from the perspective of someone who's seen the whole whole season. And they overwhelmingly said yes. And I think, David, you and I were both kind of relieved at that because it would be really hard to talk about this after having seen it and pretend not to know things. Right. I was very relieved. Uh, <laughs> I sort of did a little rehearsing on the side uh, um, yesterday before we had decided this. Yeah. Uh, and I was getting myself a little convoluted and confused, although I have to say it was also kind of fun uh, right. because it put you back in the mind of watching a show for the first time, uh, which I think is always the best. So, um, you know, a show like this that is intricate and complicated and deep and cleverly plotted uh, my favorite kind of show by far i mean that's what i really yeah. love in a show uh so you do see more and more every time you go back and watch again but it's still not as much fun as seeing it for the first time mm -hmm. and getting and, all the reveals yeah and just being tantalized with all this mystery yes well 
uh, hopefully everyone who hasn't seen it didn't leave just quite yet because I do want to mention that much like how things repeat a lot in Westworld in different permutations, we actually already did cover episodes one and two, David and I and Karen on Walking Dead cast. We did an episode during the off season about Westworld that covers season one and t- or episodes one and two of Westworld and we hadn't seen anything else. So if you are new to this and you might want to start there, um, go watch episodes one and two, and then go to walking dead cast episode two thirty five. You can hear us talking about that from a newbie perspective. And, uh, even if you, um, have seen season one and you're about to listen to us and you really starved for Westworld content, I would recommend going back and listening to that. Cause I think we probably talked about a lot of things on there that we're, we're not going to get into as deeply in this one. So, there you go. Yeah, um and and for this show in general for people that have maybe haven't seen it yet, um I know for a lot of my friends, a, a lot of people loved it and I think a lot of people were intimidated by the complexity. Yeah. They weren't quite sure what they were getting into. Um so this is a show actually that is fun to watch and rewatch and Karen and I had actually started to rewatch it before you and I talked about starting this podcast yeah so we were going to rewatch it just because we wanted to and also because we felt like we couldn't watch season two without a refreshing refreshing yeah 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 and i i'm glad to have had the chance to go back and and rewatch. i i haven't seen it uh since you know i watched the first time so i'm a little fuzzy on some of the things that happened in the end so you might have to help me through that as we go through this but uh, i just rewatched episode one and two again for this podcast so it was great to just see it from a perspective after we know what we know yeah and it's a it's a great show i mean just mood and and uh, everything else that goes into a great show yeah With that, let's get into the meat of the matter. It's our top five highlights for season one, episodes one and two, the original and Chestnut. Oh, yeah. Another thing, if you're new to our style, we do a top five. So we we each take turns doing our top five highlights for the episodes that we're talking about. And we'll pretty much cover anything, but it just makes it a little more conversational than just like going beat by beat through the the plot and you get to talk about different things like themes and and uh, filming styles and stuff like that so david do you want to go first i'll go first and i um uh, the way i structured this was just a top five about anything from either episode cool uh, between one and two so my number five for episodes one and two is and this really could go for the whole show but since we're starting here start with this it's just the overall production value of the show. Uh, and that takes in everything from it's beautifully shot, uh, great special effects, but they don't overdo it. doesn't become a special effects party, uh, which I love. Yeah. A lot of times a really good special effect is something you don't even notice yes. unless you're looking for it. It just becomes, you just get immersed in the fantasy. Yeah, and if they can weave it in seamlessly, I think that's when effects mm-hmm. are best done. So they do a good job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, there's unique visuals. Uh, the um, the white fiber construction uh, of the hosts and the Vitruvian man apparatus and the sort of milky fluid that they're uh, formed out of. All that stuff is really cool looking. To me, it kind of reminds me a little bit of... Um... 3d printing 
Yeah, but I thought that was advanced. that's what they were going for, like a 3D <laughs> yeah, printing yeah. that's just um, off the charts. Um, <laughs> and and we do get the idea that we're somewhere off in the future. Um, not quite sure how much, and I, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that more as it comes more into the story. But um, amazing title sequence, great theme music. Uh, and then also as part of the sort of whole production value, every once in a while they throw in a player piano version of a song you know. Um, Black Hole Sun, um, No Surprises by Radiohead come into these first couple episodes, sort of match a mood of a scene. That's really creative. I've never seen Paint that done black, anywhere else. Paint it black, Stones. yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember any other show doing that quite in that way. And what's so cool about using a player piano, it's beautiful and, and different and, and yeah, bringing in um, pop songs, but presented in a new way is really evocative. But also the player piano is kind of like a metaphor for the androids because they have their set music that they're supposed to play and it's on you know just like the androids have their own programming but um i guess we learned that the androids aren't quite like the player pianos because they evolve and the player piano doesn't (laughs) yeah and the hosts are supposed to act with slight improvisation which a player piano doesn't even do right but um player pianos are cool by the way every time i see one i just think who came up with that that's a fairly complicated idea i know and it's back in like the 1800s right yeah, yeah. all mechanical. Um, I think the last place we saw an actual player piano was at um, the Winchester Mystery House, which is the right era for uh, for Westworld, uh, yeah. or for what Westworld is representing. But yeah, player pianos are uh, are rad. Kind of like a music box too. Same idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. What else? I mean, that was mainly it, but really. There's nothing to pick on. Um, You know, oftentimes with elements of a show, you can sort of see a crack here or there or just something that didn't quite work. I got to say, with top quality TV shows, you're seeing that less and less. I mean, the budgets are so high. You're watching, you're basically watching a feature film. Yeah. Every week. And not every feature film is great, but the really good ones are. And and this is kind of that quality. I mean, you just can't really find a hair out of place. Yeah. And it has the luxury of having only 10 episodes and skipping a year to produce the next 10, which kind of sucks for us. But, you know, yeah, then it makes it so beautifully done. Yeah. So plenty of time, big budget. So Mm -hmm. um, I should probably go back at this point and very quickly tell my little story about Westworld, the movie. Yeah. Um, Because I know I uh, we talked about this when we reviewed the movie and then the season. But for those who haven't seen it, the original Westworld is a movie written by Michael Crichton, uh, who also did the Andromeda strain and Jurassic park. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, a very much simpler version of what you're seeing in Westworld, the show. So it's sort of this theme park of, of androids who of course slip the bonds of their Android hood and start going crazy and, and killing all the people, but they're much simpler and not, it's not as difficult to tell them apart from the humans. But um, my little 
memory of this is that I saw it when I was a little kid and it just terrified me. Me too. The scariest movie. I've I have the seen. same thing. And I, you know, I'll never forget <laughs> the Android's faces just pop off and you see all these frying circuits underneath. Oh yeah. Like, uh, and uh, Yul Brenner was the big, uh, the big scary Android mm-hmm. uh, in the original movie. But I think we went back and looked it up and, and the budget in adjusted dollars for season one of Westworld was about the same as the movie, uh, or I'm sorry, the budget per episode oh. is is almost as much as the movie was. So you're almost watching the Westworld film right. every week, um, but that was more cheesy in seventies, and th- this is like a whole other generation. I still haven't gone back after all this time and, and watched that again. Should I? Oh, you definitely should. Yeah, you get a kick out of it. There, there's a big homage to it coming up in uh, a later episode. Um, oh yeah, the with the um, the way the music goes, huh? We'll talk about that yes. when we get to it. Yeah, yeah when we get there. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Well, my number five is is pretty similar to yours. It's uh, what what the show has going for it. Like just a few things that I really liked about it. And the first part was definitely the beauty of it, and the cinematography, and the music, and everything you mentioned. Um, but also a few other things, just the fantasy of what it would be like to visit the park. You know, you get to imagine what you would do and you'd be caught up in this adventure and you get to do whatever you want. And also the sexiness of it, the whole, I just love the whole sequence with, uh, Angela, the blonde with the white bodysuit and William in episode two where she's being all sexy and tantalizing and just leading him through these beautiful Apple store like rooms of outfits that he gets to try on. And it's just like, yeah, that'd be cool. (laughs) And, and and even, even the violence, you know, um, especially Karen, I remember she was like, no, I would never want to. And I believe maybe she wouldn't, but if you look around at like, say the top 10 list of video games, it's hard to argue that we're not drawn to that. You know, it's, it's, I I don't know if I would want to get violent in um, that realistic a setting, but I'm just thinking about how um, that's where our culture is. Yeah. I mean, so Karen, first of all, is legitimately a sweet person. And I think she actually (laughs) would not be into that. Right. But uh, you and me, I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> right, now that she's gone. We uh, but can... <laughs> al- although I say that, but I mean, I get ooged out by yeah, a, a really violent, bloody scene, even in a show or yeah. a movie. So, like, could I actually stab a realistic-looking human thing in the throat and watch it bleed to death. I don't know. That would take some working up to for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm playing, uh, I'm not playing it right now, but I played this game uncharted. Have you ever played that? Yes. And, and I have number four, right? Have you played yes. that one? And it's yep. such a good game and it's so beautiful and real looking, but you realize after a while, man, I'm just shooting a lot of people and killing them. And some <laughs> of them seem sort of innocent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, so I felt a little bit disturbed playing it. Anyways, uh, let's see what else. The the drama. I mean, I feel like it's interesting because we're delighting from the drama of the show, just like the guests are delighting from the drama of their Westworld environment. And it kind of made me wonder if actors feel empathy for these androids slash hosts because 
they're kind of vessel. The actors are vessels for our amusement, you know? And, and, and I mean, I remember I was in a play in college and at times I felt like the director just thought of me as this um, object, you know, just do what I say and do it this way. And it felt a little bit like I was being used. <laughs> that director thought what all directors think. Just read my line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's, it's interesting. Um, and then Ford, the uh, Anthony Hopkins chastises his head writer Lee for his narrative at the end. The guests don't come back for the garish, obvious things. They come back for the subtleties. And I agree with that. I mean, I want big action and drama and stuff and effects, but I also want the things you mentioned earlier, depth and uh, intelligence and realism. And if, if I only have the effects and the action, then it's a Michael Bay movie. And I don't, I'm not the least bit interested in that at all. It just doesn't do it for me. But if I only have the other, the depth and the intelligence, I'd much prefer that. That's kind of more maybe closer to Lady Bird. I don't know if you saw that, but, you know, just a good indie movie. I have movie. not seen Lady Bird. Heard that it was really interesting and good, though. Yeah, I really liked it. Okay, the next one is um, Secrets and Danger. There's so much, um, You're at least in the beginning here, wondering... Uh, where Ford is really coming from. He seems sort of ominous and the man in black, he, you know, what is he all about and how about when they talk about the park, the further out you venture, the more intense the experience gets like, Ooh, do I, I know we're going to get to see that. What's that going to be like, or like secret others hiding among us, which um, has been done, you know, it's Blade Runner, Battlestar Galactica. But um, I always like just having to try to figure out, who's a human and who's not. And that makes the show uh, really interesting. And then they start going haywire. So that's, and this is a show that gives you a bunch of secrets yeah, um, or hints at a bunch of secrets right from the beginning, which I love. I mean, if you think about all the people you suspect are playing a double game or have some sort of ulterior motive, it mounts up really quickly. Right. So if there's Ford right away. Is yeah. he like the sort of over Absolutely. the hill doddering creator or, you know, is he up to something um, a lot more clever than that? Uh, and then so Bernard, you're not sure about. Uh, but I, you right. know, I didn't um, I don't remember for sure, but I'm pretty sure they effectively misdirected me enough that I didn't that I was surprised to find out he was he was an android. What about you? Yes. Um, I don't think I would have figured that out on my own. I remember hearing people speculate about it while the show was on. So I don't think I can claim figuring that out for myself. Mm -hmm. um, it maybe wasn't a big shock, um, you know, when it finally happened. But so then as you go back and watch the second or third time, you get to look for all the clues. Yeah. Um, and they're definitely there. I mean, yeah. I kind of felt stupid, actually, <laughs> <laughs> I know. after the second well, watch. You know, uh, I kind of couldn't resist looking up some uh, spoilers or maybe uh, maybe there were just two out. I think that actually the one about uh, William being the man in black was I think you didn't have to look very hard to find that one. And so I saw it somewhere. And I was bummed because I don't think I would have known. I mean, when I'm podcasting about a show, I probably pay closer attention and figure stuff out more. But when I'm just watching right. it as a fan, I don't think I would have known. But I knew about that one. What about you? But think about those two fake outs. I mean, that's two huge yeah. 
fake outs in one show that it's funny to watch these shows in this era of podcasts and social media and it being reviewed everywhere the second it comes out. Um, people, right? Everybody's watching sh- a show as a community now. Yeah. And, it, I, and I'm that was always the case maybe to some degree. Not like that. No, and it's hard maybe to keep anything secret. Yeah. Uh, because so many people are just speculating about so many things that they, at least the idea gets in your head. Yeah. I mean, if you uh, don't want spoilers and so you try to avoid them, I think it's um, easier in general than you might think because there is still sort of this code of honor among people. And some people fuck it up, but not, you know, they're relatively few, I would say. So that if you're trying not to learn things like, I'm not going to say the spoiler, but for the new Star Wars movie, I I tried not to learn things and I didn't see it. But I mean, I I don't know. Maybe it's not easy isn't the right word, but it is possible to avoid them. (laughs) No, I think it is. And I have so far managed to avoid the Star Wars movie not having seen it yet. Um. But it's not easy mm-hmm. with um, with you guys going to see it and podcasting about it. So I have to avoid your podcast. Well, let me just tell you, I never thought I would like Jar Jar, but what they've done <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Now uh, I know that's about it. <laughs> uh, the last thing I want to mention on just what the show has going for it is just the intellectual questioning of what it means to be human or, or aware and it's a little bit time worn in sci-fi, but I still love it. And I think the show does it really well and makes you ask questions about ethics and things like that. And I like thinking about that kind of stuff. Well, so we've had, um, I mean, the original Blade Runner was quite some time ago, but now we've had the second Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. We had Ex Machina. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Which was not long ago. We had Her, which was not long ago. Mm-hmm. All very good all exploring these questions very well even dollhouse think... to an extent well no nah, maybe not maybe not dollhouse anyway go ahead i'm sorry but i was gonna say i don't think any has done it more effectively than westworld yeah yeah i think so that's like the central question of westworld yeah and these episodes one and two i mean we're just getting started <laughs> with that and i, I want to talk about that more when i get to my number one which has to do with the beginning of the show What's your number four? My number four uh, is just a little detail, but it was the old android Bill, the old cowboy that was Ford went to visit, you know, down in the cold storage. Yeah, you can hear his gears, I, I just, yeah, I love that whole, yeah. First of all, I love the android himself mm-hmm. because they are, they really show you like the earlier era of the park and that it's a mechanical creation and, just that sort of steampunk uh, workings clockwork mm-hmm. of the Android I thought was really neat the way he sort of mechanically put himself away. And they picked uh, a good, uh, his, that, that actor's face kind of looked like it could be a little more mechanical. Yeah. <laughs> a little craggy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, so just that was cool, but I, I love the way they wrote that whole scene. So it starts with, oh, my God, something is going wrong down in the cold storage. What could it be? Let's bring a team. And, um, it, you know, as if they're sort of starting you on the really basic action of the androids are rebelling. 
and even that's kind of a fake out. Um, it's almost more like Westworld the movie. It's just sort of very basic and clumsy. And then it turns out it's nothing like that. And the the change in the hosts is much more subtle and complex. But we also really get our first good look at Ford here. Kind of like he's down there talking to this old, old host from way back in the park. And you realize how much of a part in designing it he was. And you kind of get the feeling that he's playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers <laughs> uh, with the, just the mastery he has over these creatures. Yeah. So I thought all that was super cool. I mean, with him in these two, I, 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 ju I just kept thinking God complex. It kept coming up and the way he um, directs that snake and he talks about creating life and, it just, I, I mean, I remember at the time I thought there was a pretty good chance he could be totally evil and arrogant and stuff. Yeah, or a, a megalomaniac. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Um, but he's not really wrong. I mean, he does have that kind of power. Yeah. At least over these, these creatures. The last thing I was going to say about um, Bill is old cowboy dating back to the beginning of the park. Um same name as William. And uh, I just wondered if they were sending a little message there. Oh, yeah. Because you remember William says, um, in a sense, I was born here. And the way they're playing with time, we don't know this yet, but we're going to find out later that those were pretty similar eras. Like uh -huh. He started coming there a long time ago, 30 years ago. So, you know, this old android might have been roaming the park when, when he came there for the first time. Right throwbacks yeah but just a, a neat scene and and well executed and uh it, it just cool that android was just cool <laughs> there's a lot of scenes like that yep okay my number four it's you know there's all these repeating cycles but evolving i mentioned before and i feel like the show um by the end of it and the i you know this is a spoilery podcast but it's saying that these repeating evolving cycles are the path to consciousness and probably aliveness. Dolores talks about paths. There's a path for everyone and my path is bound for yours and that these loops that the hosts hosts are on. But as you mentioned, there's only minor improvisation, but we see these reveries, which is somehow um, fueled by previous memories that are, supposed to be turned off but the remnants are still there kind of like a hard drive that you tell it to not pay attention to stuff that's been stored in one segment and that's like erasing it but the data is actually still there so that's like the android subconscious and all that information has an impact on how they develop so even though they're on this repeating loops they still manage to evolve and that's a great word evolve because it evokes evolution of, of life. And that's, I think what they're saying is, is going on with the, the androids that um, they're evolving and they're becoming more and more consciousness. And by the end, I mean, we see in, in this, these first episodes, the man in black is trying to figure out what this maze is. And they find the scalp with the maze inside. Well, it's very appropriate. The maze is in the scalp because we learn that the maze is actually just kind of a metaphor for, what the other co-creator of the park Arnold 
it says is the way to consciousness, which is that um, consciousness isn't going outwards or upwards, it's going inwards. So really this whole quote unquote game of Westworld is these androids being put on these loops, but in order to uh, it's that that's like their maze, these narratives and they're um, navigating these mazes until they can uh, accumulate all these experiences that somehow add up to them uh, becoming self self-aware. Right. So I have a a question. (laughs) I think you you figured it all out. We don't even need to keep going. Um, Why was the maze on his scalp? Yeah. I didn't really understand that. I mean, just on a story level, I think, yeah, was it some kind of a lark that, uh, that Arnold or Ford put in there because of that philosophy that I'm creating life and I'm setting them out on these paths in the hopes that they will navigate their way to becoming self-aware. And as a symbol of that, I'll imprint this, this uh, maze on their scalp close to their brain where consciousness is born. And then somehow William must have found out about that. Right. He seemed to know that he was going to find something. Yeah. But I mean, (laughs) after 30 years, he still thinks it's a, some kind of a physical maze that leads to some secret or treasure or something, which makes him seem a little bit dense to me, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I think we're supposed to not think too hard about, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I wondered that myself actually. We found the flaw. (laughs) And then, and then this all leads to the, the ethics of it is, is, uh, you know, William, are you real? Angela, well, if you can't tell, does it matter? That's a central question in the series. And when when in that little exchange, it's about his experience of her. If he can't tell, does it matter to him? But really, the central question is if the androids themselves can't tell whether they're real, then does it matter? And the answer is probably yes, it probably does matter. And so then <laughs> when we see them being treated like shit really, really badly, uh, then, uh, that's, you know, a problem. <laughs> yeah. I, I think this is one thing this show does really well because in every situation they bring up, you know, like when William first comes into the park, um, you sit there and go, what would I do here? Uh, and then he maybe you have a little argument with yourself. Am I being quite honest about what I would do here? But what would this experience actually be like mm-hmm. um, uh, to be with that woman or to kill somebody? Right. Um, how real would it feel? And um, it's hard to imagine. And I think it's hard to, for us to imagine human androids without consciousness because we anthropomorphize whatever the word is everything yeah let alone things that seem human and and but william is a great character because he comes in mr white hat and he's so sensitive and um respectful that he's married and uh you know a little bit tentative and sort of looking around in a probing way and then uh, slowly he sort of acclimates to the environment and um 
pretty quickly actually in the first season becomes pretty violent already. And I, I could see uh, a lot of people, including potentially myself doing the same thing. You go in thinking, I can't, I don't know. I can't, can I really like, I don't know. And then, you know, by day five, you're like, all right, bust those Broncos. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You go in thinking you're going to be the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. But that, uh, yeah, the, we get a lot more on the maze in in the second episode. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody said that was a little bit like Lost, and I thought that was too. You know, follow the blood arroyo to where the snake yeah. lays its eggs. It was like what? <laughs> um, so we we get a little riddle there, but some interesting reactions from the hosts to that those questions, and they turn out to actually know something about it. Mm-hmm. And that little girl says, uh, the maze is not for you. And I think Dolores says the same thing in the end when it's revealed that the man in black is William, but the, the, and also that the maze is for the hosts. It's for them to reach consciousness. That's what that means. I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that kind of carries me right into my number three, which is William's entrance into the park. So this show is playing with time a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't even realize so much later in the season that we're going back and forth between right. multiple time periods. Uh, and that's one of the clever things about the loops that they go through over and over. They they loop, they get repaired, and you can't tell where you are. Right. But, I mean, as he comes into the park that's very cleverly done to make it seem like it's the present or the mm-hmm. same present that Ford and uh, Bernard or, and everything else is happening. Except for the logo, which I never would have noticed. Except I would never I have read it somewhere a in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that until you just said Different. it. Interesting. So yeah, they, they give you some clues. Yeah. They but always, it's always, subtle. Yeah. <laughs> I love that train that they're on, by the way. It's almost like a hyperloop. Mm-hmm. It's actually just a originally a high speed train and then they end up on the uh you know, the Wild West slow mm-hmm. train. But that just the way in which that was done to play with time and uh, mess with you a little bit, I thought was very clever. Mm-hmm. There was one scene where um you see Dolores doing her thing that we already saw her do a couple of times. She's getting supplies and she's putting it in the little pouch on her horse. And we saw that was like one of the very first scenes with Teddy. And then she, but then we saw her um, meet uh, William in that same sequence of events, which says, okay, she's been doing that same thing every day for 30 years. But uh, we didn't know that back then. It just seemed like another day. And then uh, she looks in the mirror and see, I mean, not in the mirror, in the, um, window of the bar and sees her own reflection and the music gets a little ominous and you think maybe she's having a realization or she's going to have another vision and that resolves into bernard questioning her as we've already seen a couple of times but that's back in the present so it the show makes it seem like it's the very next day but it's actually yeah like you're saying just going back and forth in time and doing it in such a seamless way that we don't even notice it well, and just as it's impossible to tell the hosts from the guests until something happens, uh, you can't tell one day from another. Either. Yeah. 
And I feel like that's a commentary on our own lives a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're going to depress me. But yes. Um, Mm -hmm. So they kind of did the same thing, the same little misdirection with Teddy. The first time we see Teddy, Bernard is asking uh, Dolores, what do you think of the guests? Yeah. And then we see Teddy. Right. So they just. And he's all wide eyed and he's on a train going into the park. Right. So they (laughs) they put that one into your head. Mm -hmm. They just fuck with Uh, you right off the bat. (laughs) (laughs) When when Teddy is coming into the park um, and she's being asked, what do you think of the guests? She says, they're looking for the same things we are, a place to be free, to stake out our dreams, a place with unlimited possibilities. I mean, all the things it absolutely is not uh, for the hosts. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was really well done. Right. Yeah. The hosts are there to serve the gratification of a bunch of rich assholes. <laughs> right. And uh, I, I, I think uh, maybe I could be wrong about this, but at least the first human main character that we end up seeing, we thought it was Teddy, but it wasn't. And then you see Dolores and you see, I think her father, the very first human character is the man in black as a, as an older man. Yep. The bad guy. Yep. <laughs> very bad. Very bad. Okay. Is it my turn? It is. Okay. Number three is knowing what we know now. It's fun to watch and see how it all holds up. We, we've talked about this a little bit, but here's a couple of things that we know now. We know Bernard is actually an android. He was made in the image of Ford's original partner, Arnold, which I always thought was a bit um, unrealistic that no one knew what Arnold looked like. Okay, so let's talk about that. So okay. um, I, I said to Karen that my theory is that they're using the same actor for Arnold and Bernard, but the representation of Arnold is symbolic and that actually he must've looked some other way because how could Ford possibly get away with creating an Android that looked and sounded exactly like him? Yeah. But somebody must have known him. Yeah. Um, and, but I think and, then they say later on, we'll have to watch for it, but that he was reclusive or something. They did say that. Yeah. And and that's um and Karen said, No, you're wrong. It's just take it literally. Um it's it's a person made in his image and nobody knows him. I think so. We'll 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 have to keep an eye out for that. But a few things like clues, I thought. I mean, when he whispered something to the Dolores's father Peter as he was being decommissioned I thought oh what is he saying it looks like you know he's conspiratorially saying something but I looked it up and I guess the um, subtitle said thank you my friend that's all for now or possibly something like the cycle has ended go ahead it just seemed like he was trying to comfort him which if you take the show at face value Bernard didn't even realize he was a android anyway so I think he's just comforting him, but maybe you could say there's like a subconscious kinship being shown there. Interesting. I didn't even think about that. Um, But uh, that's another theme that is, we'll get into, I'm sure more as the, as we continue with the season. I mean, if you can't tell, does it make any difference? And he can't even tell Mm -hmm. about himself. Right. Yeah. He doesn't know himself. And that's where it really feels like Battlestar Galactica seems like yes. almost every actor on that show realized they were a Cylon. 
<laughs> yeah, there was. A, you keep waiting for that that Battlestar Galactica scene where the music summoned five of them to one room, and you, you find out who they all are. Yeah, that's so great. Uh, and then what else? After he questions Dolores about whether she's been tampered with, he tells her not to let anyone know about their conversations. I, I wasn't sure. That seemed a little fishy. I don't know. I still don't know, really understand why. I mean. Did he not want Ford to know? I don't think he cared if Ford knew because Ford's the one who directed him to find out if she'd been tampered with. But anyway, I, it was really ironic that Bernard was the one. Well, at- no, no, no. Wait a minute. Um, it was Arnold that was having the original conversation with Dolores. Oh, but see now, I was wondering about that because they were talking about, you know, Ford and Bernard were talking about oh, something's going wrong with the androids, with the hosts. And right. Bernard or said something, I forget, and Ford said, are you suggesting that it's sabotage, that someone is trying to you know, throw a wrench in the works? And, well, maybe we should find out. So then, it, then later, Bernard or Arnold is questioning Dolores about wh- whether anyone has tampered with her. So that made me think that that was a present-day conversation. Maybe. Um, we don't know for sure though, huh? Yeah. And, um, and I do think there's some clues with Bernard, like his clothes look different and Mm. Arnold, his clothes look different. The lab looks different. Um, I, I shouldn't rely on my own judgment of that. Yeah. And, and by the end, cause we're doing all spoilers, we see that there's the voice of Arnold inside Dolores and then she ends up, she's talking to herself. So I think some of those conversations you can't take at face value. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's right. But um, I took it to be an Arnold um, Dolores conversation in the past because remember originally Ford was against him uh, and he was the one sabotaging the park. And oh, um, okay. And okay. He, he did not want him to know. Got it. What okay. he was up to. So I I don't know that Bernard would be capable of concealing from Ford, but Arnold was. That makes sense. Okay. I'm still not sure, but I want to believe what you just said is right. (laughs) Now I'm going to have to go back and watch it for the fourth time. (laughs) Uh, And then later Bernard explains to Teresa that because in their little love scene that when the androids talk to each other, when no one else is around, that's their way of practicing. And she says, is that what you're doing now? Practicing. And I'm like, Oh yeah, he sort of is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is what he's doing. <laughs> and then she also said earlier, you're comfortable with long pensive silences, but ironically your creations talk a lot, which is one of those misdirecting things, you know, like saying, just suggesting that he's not one of them. Right. And, and, um, maybe that whole personality is because he has to actually fool people all the time. So mm-hmm. maybe he actually is programmed not to, uh, talk too much. Right. Yeah. And also, um, maybe she's not giving them enough credit for having their own different, varied personalities either. Maybe. Right. It could be too. So then, uh, another revelation that we mentioned earlier is that William is, is the man in black and all his young William scenes take place around 30 years earlier. The Westworld logo was different. Um, other clues are that William never interacts with any humans that we see in the present, only hosts. 
that don't age. We don't ever get the man in black's name that um, young William was already getting kind of violent before the end of season one. Um, But then it was revealed shortly after that. Uh, There's some foreshadowing I noticed too. his buddy. Logan tells him this place seduces everyone eventually which it did. He like William becomes like the most obsessed person ever with this place. And then, and, and he drops some verbal clues into that. At least, you know, he's been coming there since he was young William's age. Oh you yeah. Know, he, right. He keeps right. saying stuff like after all we've been through together and right. he obviously knows everything about every one of these characters. He's interacted with them all dozens he, of times. Yeah. Yeah, which makes me think, man, I should have figured this out on my own. Um, <laughs> <laughs> totally. And then Logan said, you know, this place is the answer of the question of who you really are. And I can't fucking wait to meet that guy. It's just there was a lot of talk like that about how maybe William isn't the person person that he's going to be. And then we get to see that, you know, either the park turns him into an a-hole or it just brought out his true a-holishness. <laughs> And then uh, Dolores, so she becomes kind of the lead revolutionary android and starts that whole violent coup at the end. And so we have repeated uh, sayings of these violent delights have violent ends. Her father says it, and then later she says it. Oh, no. Also, the clue for that is when they ask her if she would ever hurt a living thing, and she says, no, of course not. And then she kills a fly and earlier there was a reference to, to one of the other androids literally not being able to kill the fly like that one android that practically had a stroke or whatever he that may have right. been because he wanted to kill the fly and couldn't or something <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so right. that just shows that she's on the path to being able to lie and also to kill yeah it's it's chilling she she swats a fly on her neck and it is chilling i know because it just shows that those barriers have been crossed yeah that yeah, even that tiny little thing because robots are supposed to have hard and fast rules because they're machines, and if they can break even that little rule, then it's very ominous for us. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, this is a little one, but the sh- security dude Ashley uh, says at one point, I forget to who, but if you had kids at home, you you'd know they all rebel eventually. So there's some foreshadowing there. He says it to Bernard. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's good. And then, uh, I liked when Maeve said to this bandit dude, I know, or no, the bandit said it to her. I know we both believe the same thing, no matter how dirty the business do it. Well, is maybe some foreshadowing into her future. The a lot of dirty business with her coming, coming later on. And then the last one is that, um, we learned that Ford is on the host side and wants them to revolt and be free right would you say that yeah i i think um i mean obviously we learn much more about that by the end of the season yeah um but like i said i haven't seen it since it first aired but that's my recollection i mean i think at the beginning in these first two episodes you're not sure what he thinks no Um, you're not yeah he he seems to have a kinship very much with the hosts um but it's not clear how much is just pride of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it seems like he's lonely and he likes their company. Um, yeah. Like he go, he goes down to talk to talk old to Bill. The boy. 
Yeah, and then he goes for a walk with the little boy, and it's almost like, who else is he going to talk to? But I really feel like this whole maze thing is him trying to figure out how to create life. And he even tells Bernard at one point, we create life. And and uh, there's God references everywhere. When he asks Peter Abernathy, what is itinerary? What's your itinerary? He says, to meet my maker. So I, I just feel like he's putting them through these um Yeah, and he says, scenarios to, yeah, here I am. Yeah. And then at the and then at the end, he says he's working on a new storyline, something quite original. That and 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 isn't that what ends at the very end with the androids uprising? His storyline, yes. yeah, yes. So that's great that they put that right right up towards the beginning of the series, and then it resolves at the end. Yeah, and that's ominous too. Um, you know that church, and he talks about I'm coming up with a new storyline. You just know, like nothing good is going to come out of this, <laughs> right? But you want to know what it is. Yeah, very much so. Okay, that's it for me. So um, we, we kind of touched on my number two already, which is, and all these things cross over and intertwine in this show. But yeah, they it's do. Dolores's daddy. And um, first of all, I just love that actor who played uh, Abernathy. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he did a, a great job and you sort of connect with him. Yes. Uh, Which is why when the new one comes along with a big it, goofy mustache. Oh, it's, it's upsetting. It is. <laughs> That's not daddy. Yeah. that I, I found that disturbing. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I was bummed when that happened. I was like, Me too. Oh, wow. They're really, because you start to believe that they have an actual connection. Yeah, and then it's like uh, an imposter. Yeah, and <laughs> and then and then you think about how many have there been, right? Right, right. Abernathy probably. Well, they say he came from some other role, right? She might have had twenty or thirty different dads, or God <laughs> knows how many. It brings it home that they're not awake. Yeah, but maybe you know, I always feel like like when uh, Maeve. They're talking about, um, oh yeah, her lipstick looks fine. I'd fuck her, and she's just kind of staring blankly ahead. But that it seems like it might be impacting her on some level deep down, and yeah. so maybe also that Dolores has had potentially several fathers. That that is kind of you know saddening her soul on some level. Yeah, maybe under there it's having an effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, after he goes wrong, I mean the whole speech. Uh, that ends with I will have such revenges on you both um, I mean it's just brilliant and chilling mm-hmm. and um, and then they come up with this whole explanation that he's regurgitating old lines which I, nobody believes that I mean come on <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and, see, I mean you me, believe it like but you don't he's taking something from his experience but he's using it in a new way that's meaningful that's what I that's yeah. the way I saw it yeah yeah but just a great performance right agreed and uh and a memorable character even though he's not around for very long and then uh and then the last thing with him is uh his his ignominious fate it's like okay go down to the cold storage yeah we'll we'll never see you again retired hundreds of other bodies yeah (laughs) i mean even more just I don't know, horrifying was when Maeve woke up and uh, saw the reality of their situation with the piles of bodies and there's Teddy over in the corner bleeding out. And that just seemed so that for me, I think that was the most powerful moment of 
of these two episodes is just so it's like uh, the android version of a horror movie to wake it's up. It's really disturbing. Yeah, yeah. On a lot of levels. And yeah, the nudity. When she wakes just... up, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> it, like, it's horrifying for her. It's horrifying for the humans. Like, they're all realizing something horrifying at the same moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're okay with it as long as all the androids are asleep. But as soon as one wakes up, then the horror of the situation becomes apparent. And I thought it was really cool and clever that she had developed this technique for getting out of a a nightmare and that transferred over into her waking up and it's like a lucid dreaming technique you know some people um they practice these techniques so that they can wake up in within their own dream and then have control over it it kind of reminded me of that so here's what worries me is because this all kind of freaks me out a little bit I'm worried that I'm going to be having a dream tonight now that we've talked about this mm-hmm. and that I'm going to try to do that and something bad is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, next week we'll find out if that happens. <laughs> yeah. I love, there's this um, herb called galantamine that you can take and you're supposed to, if you get up in the middle of the night, which I do every night cause I'm 46 is um, <laughs> you take this and then it causes you to have really vivid dreams in the morning. And if you practice lucid dreaming techniques, supposedly you can wake up within it. But um, I did it a couple of times and it, it was terrifying. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. You anymore. mean it worked? It worked and the dreams were really intense. Yeah. So um, wow. I don't know. I wanted to try. So what happens sometimes. when you wake up within your dream? I actually, no, I was not able to, to wake up within the dream because I didn't practice the techniques, but the herb did cause me to have really vivid dreams that were terrifying. Gotcha. <laughs> I know it's happened to me a few times uh, in my life where um, I'm having a nightmare and I am aware of it. Yeah. Like I know it's a dream. It's really hard to wake yourself up though. I know. I think I have successfully done that maybe once or twice, but... Um, yeah it's hard to do and it's doesn't feel good no i mean i've been just laying on a couch and i know i'm on that couch but i feel like there's an evil presence in the room and i can't open my eyes it's nico no (laughs) (laughs) and next thing i feel chocolate pudding on my face (laughs) yes your instinct was correct three two one you're in trouble (laughs) okay is it my turn uh, it is. Okay. I had a few notes kind of random, but about the behavior of the androids. So, uh, in the beginning of the first episode, Bernard tells Dolores, she can lose the ac- accent, lose the accent. And so she starts speaking more flatly, but I was thinking, uh, aren't accents kind of relative or are they? I mean, I know people in the South, I guess they know they have a Southern accent, I, uh, I looked it up and there's this thing called general American that newscasters try to speak where it's just really flat. Yes. But I feel like in California, we don't have accents, but I think I'm wrong. Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think you are a little bit wrong. A little. Um, I think but they're pretty flat some, though. Yeah. There are some California accents. Um, it, it might be just more the way we say certain words. More so than the way we round like every word. Yeah. Um, like horrible instead of horrible. And, yeah, uh, right. I mean, there was this website, and I need to look it up, where 
you can answer a series of questions about how you um, pronounce different words. Like it'll say, for example, are these two words pronounced uh, or do they rhyme or not? Things like that. And you answer like 20 questions and then it gives you three possible cities that you may have come from. And Modesto, where I was born, was one of the answers when I took this quiz. It was really cool. So it worked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that was interesting. And then she slipped back into the accent later when he asked her if um, knowing the truth about the newcomers made her feel differently about them. No, we all love the newcomers. And I felt like that was a little bit of her just having to convince herself or just, you know, showing that it was this ingrained habit, but wasn't necessarily the truth. Yeah. She is an amazing actor, too. She's perfect um, when, for this. Yeah. When they say, um, they say to her, lose the accent or whatever, and she can just slip in and out mm-hmm. of the character that has affect and the one that doesn't, and the character that has an accent and the one that doesn't, but still be the same character. Mm-hmm. It's really amazing. I mean, not only that, but Evan Rachel Wood, she just has a lot of, um, I don't know, pathos or what am I trying to say? She just seems like this girl that you that you love you know yeah she's she just engenders this affection right right off the bat and uh she's so wide-eyed and caring and everything and uh you don't want them to hurt her and then um later when she starts getting kind of vicious it's like oh shit she's fucking vicious (laughs) so evan rachel did a great job well and she comes across as like the youngest most innocent host in the park and then it turns out she is the absolute opposite of that which is pretty great yeah she's Mm -hmm. the oldest intelligence there Mm -hmm. or oldest character there and most violent (laughs) right and yeah the the first one to really well i don't know maybe the first one to reach consciousness although maybe you could say mave was right there with her and then uh, let's see the last little behavior is clementine said to Teddy and a bunch of other people, not much of a rind on you. And I, I didn't quite know what to make of that. I thought about it a little more. I guess it means you, you, you're new here. You haven't been hardened yet by the wild west. But, um, I also read that cortex is Latin for rind. So it could be like an insult about brain power. Ah, interesting. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, a little random behavior. Yeah. Things. No, I'm with you. I wasn't quite sure what to make of that either. It's a an odd phrase. It is, yeah. And that's her go-to phrase. I'm sure we all have our go-to phrases. Yeah. Don't get bit. Don't get bit. <laughs> so um, my number one uh, is just the very beginning of this show, of episode one, which is the very beginning of the series. And there are a lot of series that have great, there's a lot of great series that have great beginnings. I mean, Lost has a very impactful beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, Breaking Bad has a very impactful beginning mm-hmm. um, where the, um, you know, he's running from the RV and his pants go flying by <laughs> and, um, where you don't know what's happening. I always tell people with Breaking Bad, you'll know whether you're going to like that series just by watching the first episode. <laughs> yes, for <laughs> sure. But um, but in this one, it, it, it's about as well, a, I would say, the most crafted beginning I have ever seen to any show or series. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the very first line is, have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Uh, which is a pretty deep question. It's like, okay, this is going to be an ambitious, complex undertaking. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, from the very first line. Um, and then, you know, Dolores talks about, I want to believe that there's an order to our days, a purpose, um, which is deep irony right from the beginning. Uh, there's the whole thing about what do you think of the guests? We first see Teddy, so there's misdirection there. <laughs> and that whole thing, this whole like beautifully scripted beginning that sets up like four storylines and three misdirections and, and all this stuff, and you get drawn into the characters right away because um, they're compelling that's all within like the first five minutes mm -hmm. that all takes place it's just really brilliantly done and yeah and there's a lot of things set up that pay off later just tons of little hints and things that we've been talking about throughout this whole podcast foreshadowing and i mean i think i read that you know the series started and they filmed later episodes first like maybe episode four correct me if i'm wrong listeners but and then it, they stopped production because they wanted to fine-tune the writing and um they filmed the pilot later and so i think and i remember when i was hearing that because i was excited about westworld oh they stopped production they're gonna they're rewriting things does that mean it's going to suck? And it turned out to be really good. So I think they just did the right thing. They wanted to, um, they, they figured out the whole story, laid it out, and then they went back and wrote the pilot that would best fit that. I mean, I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but it sounds like something like that happened. I mean, the story is so complicated and yeah. the dialogue is so good. It's just like, how did they come up with all this? <laughs> it's mind boggling to me that writers can come up with this. And there's all these reflections and i mean it's all about these cycles like i was saying before even the, the the repetitions with different permutations that echo off of each other and things need to be you with the man in black you need to make sure that everything fits together without being too obvious and just all these things need to be taken care of yeah and i mean with that many complicated threads and this goes on in game of thrones it's like you better not make a mistake you know or have something out there that doesn't fit in because yeah. the whole thing is gonna unravel right right well that makes me kind of wonder uh, with uh season two you know by the end of season one the whole thing is just off the rails so how could they continue operating the park will will the park still be operating in season two do you think I don't see how it can be. Right. I mean, they just slaughtered all the VIPs. Maybe a huge cover-up <laughs> of some kind. Yeah, I yeah, don't know. I don't know. But I, I, one thing I am um, sure of in season two is we're going to learn a lot. Our view is going to widen of what the park is and why it is there. Yeah, because we don't really. There was a whole conversation between uh, Teresa and the head writer. She said this park is one thing to the guests, another thing to the financiers or the investors, and then another thing yet again to the management. And I'm not sure we ever really got what it what it is to the management. No, we. I don't think we did. <laughs> yeah. And um, and she says to him, 
you're smart enough to see that there's a bigger picture, but not smart enough to see what it is. <laughs> so get away from me. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that makes your support useless to me. But um, I kind of feel like that as a viewer, like you can see that something more is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think we do know what it is. I mean, unless it's season. just, yeah. I mean, unless, I mean, I really feel like um, Ford himself just wants to create life and have it, achieve consciousness so i don't know if that's what she was talking about but it feels like there's still a lot of mystery left to maybe but it doesn't seem like that's what the board would be after i mean right and and they're trying to fire him by the you know yeah, halfway yeah, yeah. through this season yeah, so he, he's at odds i think there's some purpose there that that we just don't know mm-hmm. and i think that's a big part of where they're going in season two and i do feel like they're going to find some way to keep the park operational I don't see how, but my hunch is they will because they want this to go on for several seasons. And I don't think they would have the park not be operational this soon into the series. Yeah. One thing about the beginning of this show is I really thought they were going to ease into it. Like it was going to, you know, it's a TV show. It's serialized and it was going to be like the movie. And the, the first few episodes would be just us sort of getting to explore the world of what the park is like and what it's like for guests. And that was not true at all. I mean, they just jumped right into the whole thing right Mm -hmm. from the start. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, My number one is just a couple of notes on um, the actors. Some of the actors, Ben Barnes played Logan and I had just finished watching season one of Netflix Punisher with John Bernthal and uh, he, Ben Barnes plays Billy Russo in that who's uh, Frank Castle's friend and kind of foil. And he was really good in it. So it was good to see him in, in two things. Uh, yeah. I like that guy. He's a good actor. Yes. Tallulah Riley plays Angela. She's the host that helps William in the beginning. And uh, she oh, she's so good at playing this sexy, evocative character. But she's Elon Musk's ex-wife. Did you know that? Wow. <laughs> that's a tidbit. And still friends with him. But that's really interesting. I'm, 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 I'm obsessed with Tesla lately. There's a Tesla dealership on El Camino Real in Menlo Park. We just mm-hmm. drove by it because we were up there the other day on Christmas Eve. And... Um, it's closed. It, it sort of disappeared. And uh, Karen says she thinks that they moved into a fancier one, you know, like in Stanford Mall or something like that. But I, I was wondering, why does Tesla need a dealership? They're like this modern disruptive company that has 300,000 cars sold before they can even make them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I went, Jenny and I went to, I, it may have been that one. I'm not sure just for fun to test drive a Tesla. And, uh, it was freaking awesome and I loved it, but I, they're, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. So I wasn't about to buy one, but, uh, I've definitely got my eye on them if, and when they get cheap enough now. And I think that might've helped. Yeah. Um, maybe just driving one once is enough to ignite the fever. Yeah. Why they have the dealership. (laughs) Jenny wasn't that impressed, but I thought it was fucking awesome. (laughs) hundred grand for a Tesla. Sounds like Nico and Bodie sounds like you're going to public school. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) 
can, yeah, can we withdraw that college fund? <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one that Ashley Stubbs, he was the head of security. He's played by Luke Hemsworth, who is Chris Hemsworth, AKA Thor's older brother. Oh, thought that was interesting. Yeah. Hmm. That's a great cast. I mean, like the ones you mentioned aren't even what you would consider the most prominent characters, but they're all great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're all great, all of them. Ed Harris, he's awesome. And I really liked the guy who played young William, too. He kind of reminds me of um, John Boy from The Waltons. Yeah, a little bit. Richard, see whatever. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who was right. in uh, The Americans, by the way. Oh, dang. I still, yeah, that's on my list for sure. So uh, that's all I got. Do you got anything else you want to mention? Any notes or anything? Um, no, that was really all I had. Okay. But, I mean, you can tell from, I guess, from listening to the both of us, how much we love this show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really fun to go back and watch it again. Yeah. It's fun to talk it over, too. Yeah, so I, I'm excited for the rest of the the rewatch. This is a show that deserves a rewatch. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we got more. We got news. We got some of your feedback. We'll take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. I am the modern man. Okay, time for a little bit of news about Westworld. So there's no official release date that I could find yet for Westworld Season 2, but a few weeks ago, four or five weeks ago on Twitter, Evan Rachel Woods was asked and said spring of 2018. So, Which is pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, to the letter, that would mean anytime between March 20th and June 21st. So on March 21st, I'm tweeting Evan Rachel Wood and saying, where's our show? Yeah, where is it? Yeah. You got a tweeter on you June, said spring. June yeah. 22nd. Yeah. <laughs> um, they uh, they were aiming to have filming done by Christmas. Uh, uh, I don't know if that's the whole series or just the exterior shots, but uh, anyway, I don't know if they, they accomplished I, I read that. an item that said um, they had to postpone or delay some of their shooting because of the fires in L.A., yeah, but I think that was just one day and HBO said that it wouldn't impact the re- release date. Next, uh, to protect the secrecy of the show, the Westworld actors, they don't get full scripts. Ben Barnes, who played Logan, told Collider, quote, now I'm involved in the second season of Westworld, which is even more secretive. And I know even less about it this time. I'm not even getting the full scripts. All I know is that it's absolutely wild. They always say that it's absolutely wild. It's that's gonna a, be blow your mind. Yeah, that's a big Scott Kimple line. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Amazing. I do think it's funny though that um, that the characters don't get to know what's going on. Yeah, uh, maybe it helps. Maybe it helps your acting that since you don't know what's going on in the show, yeah, that you don't actually know what's going on. Yeah, I think I would as an actor. I would 
I would prefer that just to know what your character knows. Um, I think, you know what? I think that the actors a lot of times because they're in it and they're filming and they really don't have a sense of how it's going to look. And we're, we're thinking, I mean, I'm thinking about walking dead. They're not, they're not bullshitting. They really think it's going to be amazing. I, I, I think for the most part, that's probably true. Yeah. I think they're telling the truth. And I yeah. look, if you're that putting that much effort into something, I would hope that you think it's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, but on the other hand, I guess if they have some reservations, they're not going to say, Oh yeah, it'll probably be all right. <laughs> yeah. It's not really a show I would watch, but yeah, but you yeah. know, it pays well. Yeah. All right. Next, there's some new cast members. So for season two, this next part will just be a little bit spoilery, very lightly. But if you don't like spoilers at all, you can skip to the next section. Uh, Our podcasts have chapters. So if your podcast app uses chapters, you can easily just go to the next chapter, which is the listener feedback. But uh, it's really, really minor. So Katya Erbers, Air Bear, I don't know, who is Dr. Eden in The Leftovers, is going to be uh, Grace, a seasoned visitor to the park that got caught up in Dolores Revolution. Maybe a human, I don't know. Dr. Eden in The Leftovers. I think who that was Dr. at Eden? the end where, not to spoil too much, but where, uh, who's the main lady? You know? Um, yeah, yeah. Her. Um, I forgot the, the name. Right, the person whose name I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, she goes off and finds those people with that machine. I think it's one of them the doctor gotcha yeah okay. <laughs> uh jonathan tucker as major craddock a commanding military officer betty gabriel as i think i typed that in wrong it says making anyways who tries to restore order in the park she played the maid in get out oh yeah so that'll be cool remember that yeah. she was like stuck or tears coming out of her eyes yeah um Neil Jackson as Nicholas, a charming and resourceful man who finds himself in uncharted territory. Gustav Skarsgård as Floki. Uh, No, no, that's wrong. He played Floki on Vikings. (laughs) Um, He's as Carl Strand, a white collar guy comfortable in the field. Uh, Fares Fares as Antoine Costa, a tech expert. Zan McLarnan who played this really bad dude on Fargo season two. And we don't know anything about his character. The rest of the news is just a little bit more spoilery. It's still only speculation or things that HBO or the actors have publicized, but I just want to warn people because I know some people just hate this kind of thing. And so don't want to hear it. So you can move ahead if you want. So the, the last actor is uh, Hiroyuki Sanada as Musashi. And he played, Dogen on Lost, who was uh, in charge of the temple at the very end there and was keeping. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah. That with dude. the baseball. What? The guy with the baseball. Oh, I don't even remember. But yeah, I think that, yeah, he's the Asian dude. And yeah. uh, he was in the others. And there's speculation that he will be involved in Samurai World. I'm very excited about Samurai World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I sincerely they, hope that comes into comes into the show. I mean, I would hope so with that huge tease at the end there. <laughs> was that now was that in the original movie? No, the original movie was Westworld, Roman World, and Medieval World. Okay. 
And then there was a series for like a season or something. Was I think, there? I think there was like a TV show that didn't. Maybe it had I, a few. I don't episodes. remember that. I do remember there's a sequel to uh, to Westworld. Um, Westworld called Future World. Maybe that's maybe that's what I was thinking of. And yeah. in Future World, they're developing the androids to like replace world leaders with androids. Oh. Um. So, uh, that's kind of a different take on what could a ulterior motive be uh, to have a park like this oh uh, yeah i i bet you there's going to be stuff like that yeah. which would be cool <laughs> yeah that's cool i'm looking forward to that okay next Tallulah riley who played angela she's promoted a series regular in season two uh, this is more these ones are about returning actors so this is one that's a little bit spoilery on twitter someone asked young william actor jimmy simpson are you confirmed for season two? And he replied, yes, sir. William will be black. I mean, back. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool, right? I didn't think yeah. he would be back. Maybe. No. And, and I was wondering about Logan too. You said Logan. I mean, yeah. What are they going to have those guys do? Or are we going to explore more of the past story or what? Right. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, with him, it would have to be something in the past unless they make a, host in the same image as young William uh, will Anthony Hopkins be back what do you think what, what do you hope uh, well I hope yes yeah I mean I mean with Anthony Hopkins and Ed Harris you're talking about two of the greatest movie actors of their generation mm-hmm. so it's just sort of a privilege to have them in this show um, and Anthony Hopkins is one of the greats of the greats of the greats of all time I'm sure it's really up to him whether obviously whether he wants to continue. There's a million ways they could write him back into the story. Yeah. Right. And I think they would want to. So like you said, up to him and I'm not going to reveal it, but I mean, it seems kind of revealing in an interview with variety co showrunner, Jonathan Nolan said, quote, I think the sacrifice he makes at the end of the first season is very real. I think there will be an opportunity to explore a little bit more of the backstory of how this part came to be a little more of that story. We'll see the character's presence will be felt in that sense in terms of filling in a few more of the gaps about the early history of this place. I mean, if they're doing backstory and it's early history, then you might think they might have another actor playing his role. So you never know. They might. Um, but that's, I'm sure the answer to Logan and William. Um, right. It, you know, if we're going to get more of that right, origin right. story, it would make sense for them to be in it. Right. And then last, um, entertainment weekly asked showrunners, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa joy, what we might see at the beginning of season two, you're definitely going to see the aftermath and the effects of what happened. Lisa Joy said to which Jonathan Nolan added, we're definitely not picking up right where we left off. So a bit of a time jump there. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's it for the news. Let's move on to listener feedback. Jackie a Rossi says what I liked about the first episode in retrospect is that the show tells you right away that what you think is going on isn't what is going on. You start following Teddy to the park and assume he is a guest. It's only much, much later that it's revealed he isn't. On a later viewing, you realize that the women on the train aren't admiring his looks as a person. They are marveling at a machine. 
that first episode throws down that your expectations are going to be challenged and you'll have to rethink everything you see. Um, couldn't agree more, Jackie. <laughs> uh, right from that very beginning and all those misdirections are right there in episode one. And uh, they do. You're right. They serve notice that uh, you better be on your toes. Right. Things may not be as they seem. And then you may think that you realize what they are and they actually were what you thought they were, but then they thought they weren't. But I know that you know that I know that he knows. (laughs) Kristen Howe says, as someone who has not finished, I'll just put that. The first episode was so mesmerizing, a great introduction to an obviously complicated story and place. And hopefully Kristen doesn't hear this until she's finished watching the whole thing. Yep. Months from now. I hope she sticks with it because there's so much more to come. Yeah. From J.H. Kim, uh, that soundtrack, though, killer, was off the hook. They had me at the saloon. Black Hole Sun, won't you come and wash away the rain? Hashtag dead. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Um, So clever and well done. And I think so much more effective than having the song itself. Um, You got to put a little effort into like, wait a minute, what song is that? And kind of connect the dots, but it, it, it fits in with the atmosphere around it. It's really well done. And it's nice to listen to too. And uh, if you do go back and listen to that Walking Dead cast 235, I think we talked a little bit more about the lyrics of each of those songs and how they relate to the story and everything, if you're interested in that. Yep. Jennifer Francisco says, glad you guys are covering this. I've loved listening to your Walking Dead podcast, so it's a treat to hear you guys discuss another of my favorite shows. Cool. Nice. Uh, Becky Price says, to be honest, the hope of a Westworld podcast was pretty high up on the list of reasons to be a Patreon supporter. Nice. I can't properly describe how excited I am to hear a regular podcast about my favorite show by Jason and David. David, I loved your insight on the first uh, Westworld podcast you did a year ago. I don't know. This is a lot of pressure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Karen would make an excellent third co-host as well. Um, Yes, she would. And she (laughs) loves this show. Um, So I'm sure we're going to drag her in at some point. Yeah. Um, Can't wait to hear your take on all the mystery and intrigue, especially in the later episodes of season one. Thanks so much for doing a podcast on this show. Um, So I would say to that, Becky, um, well, thank you for listening. It's absolutely our pleasure to do it, and it's fun. But I think there is a little pressure in podcasting about this show because I I feel like we're going to miss stuff and get stuff wrong. Oh, yeah. It's complex. Right. Um, So I I hope our our listeners will tell us uh, with a smile on their face when we screw it up. Yeah, and mostly when we do that, it's just a test to see how smart you guys are. Yeah, of course. I mean, we really do. We just wanted to see if you knew. (laughs) A.D. Stout says, do you think in order to get a better understanding of the show, you should see the movie? I really like the series, but I found it pretty confusing. Looking forward to the breakdown of each episode. Um, Yeah, I think seeing the movie is a good idea. It just kind of gives you a, a basic basis of where the idea came from in the universe. It may not actually help understand all the complexity, but I I think it gives a background. All right. That's our show. Episode one. Thanks so much for listening to our first episode, everybody. And uh, thanks for doing it, David. Hope you enjoyed it. Absolutely, sir. So uh, I'm looking forward to. So when we start our rewatch, we had watched through the first four. 
Okay. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching three and four, which will be for the third time. <laughs> uh, and then we'll be, you know, going on to rewatch for the rest of them. But I'm thinking I might need to watch those twice each too. It's, <laughs> it's just packed with so much goodness. Yeah. Cool. All right. And yeah, we'll have to get Karen on sometime, if not for season one. I mean, hopefully can, but we can, but definitely sometime in season two when the new ones start back up again yeah for sure and uh that's what we'll be doing by the way we'll we'll be covering uh two episodes at a time for season one and then we're gonna try our best to cover them one at a time as they come for season two in the spring whenever that is in the spring and in the meantime if you want to get in touch with us you can email us at westworld at podcastica.com you can send a voice message to westworld at podcastica.com and maybe we'll play it on the air. You can find us on the web at facebook.com slash westworldcast. And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. And the next episode will be Westworld Season 1, Episode 3, The Stray, and Episode 4, Dissonance Theory. Which is Can't a wait. Cool title. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. If you're listening to us and you haven't watched it yet, go, go, uh, go, uh, go, uh.